Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Welcome back to the show. I'm delighted to have with me today Charles Walton. Charles is the founder and CEO at Kybotech, um, recognized as the UK market leader in outdoor garden buildings and outdoor living products. Charles set up Kybotech in February 2000 um, as a hobby company with just his PC, a phone, and a website whilst he was actually studying to do an MBA. Um, he's grown the business right from the ground up and now has a whopping 200 employees in over three different countries. Charles, how are you doing? Very good, thanks, Sam. Thanks for inviting me onto the show. Excellent. Thanks very much for joining us today, Charles. Um, there's loads of myself and the audience would love to cover, um, including your juicy business growth tips, your recommended digital marketing strategies, how you've grown your business. But if we can start from the top, as it were, if we can learn a bit more about yourself, Charles, kind of where you grew up, what you did since leaving school. Um, if you could tell us more, please. Well, I, I left school and then I went to university, did a, a business management degree, okay. um, spent three years at uh, University in London. And I kind of got the London thing out of my system, whereas a lot of people who I went to school with went to university in other parts of the country and then they worked in London. But I, I got the London thing out of my system early. Um, and then when it came to, you know, leaving university and deciding what to do, I kind of didn't know what to do. I hadn't done a gap here. I was you know, a little bit, uh, a bit, a little bit lost. And then, um, so I went home as you do, spent a um, few months just kind of dossing really, one of the better <laughs> word. And then somebody, a charity, a local charity approached me to do a website. I don't know why they approached me or, or, okay. um, you know, why they thought I was capable of doing it, but, um, you know, I, I kind of I had some time around, so I decided to um, have a go. Yeah. So I built a website from scratch. I used back in the day Microsoft front page. Oh, um, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Very, 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 very um, modest piece of, of software yeah. it was. I went on a course, uh, three or four days, learning how to do this. And, you know, back in those days, it was classroom style training. You know, with the ring binders and stuff, and very kind of methodical. Um, you know process um so i learned from the ground up and i created a, a website it's not wasn't incredible or anything but it, it was functional uh, it got leads it had a booking engine in very you know it's all very basic html forms okay um, and from from that point uh, you know at the, and at the same time i was considering doing a an, an you know an mba in further study and i you know started to research from like you know like a, a gmat test and things like that um and then, you know, I kind of, I kind of made a de decision and, and because my, my family came from, had a, had a business, uh, yeah. it wasn't, um, it basically made uh, manufactured garden buildings and garden products, but they had no web presence. They had no e-commerce. And back in 2000, it, it was, this was straight after the bubble. So, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of these companies had actually gone bust and were spending incredible amounts of money. And, you know, we we made a you know made a decision at the time to have a go. I'd done this website and I thought, well, I'll have a go. So this this separate company to try and keep the channels separate because the family businesses 
um, dealer network didn't want any channel conflicts at the time. You know, they, they would see online as a, as a massive threat. And of course, it, it did take over, you know, physical retail. But at the time, they had to be kept separate. So I created this, uh, this company and developed and designed uh, a website. And, you know, the, and at the time, I didn't really have any marketing budget. So it was all about, you know, old school SEO. Got some it. of the old search search engines, AltaVista, you know, back in the day. Oh, well, some, some time ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so essentially you left UniM, Charles, and you someone contracted you to build a website. What was yeah. that actually about, that website that you took on as one it of your first it, jobs? It was, it was a charity gig, so... Ah, um, right, I see. So I wasn't paid. It was a St. John Ambulance boat that went up and down the local river, the River Trent, um, in, in the town of and, and they'd take, um, you know, uh, disabled and, and, and OAPs on river trips. So I, I would I developed the, the website and the booking system for that. Um, cool. Very okay. So that was some good hands-on experience that you did um, yes. free of charge. In, and it, it was quite successful, was it, that first project? Um, well, I wouldn't say it, was, it worked. I mean, that's that, was the the most, that was the main thing, that it worked. And it was a very mm-hmm. small scale. Yeah, um, for first job, definitely. But it, but it was, a, it was a first, it was a first job, and it, and it took me, and it, and it, and it allowed me to uh, enter this world of, of you know, web and e-commerce that, that yeah, over the over over many years um, stayed in. Got it. Okay. You know, yeah. Okay. So that gave you some hands-on experience, Charles. And then you mentioned your your family business, so it'd yes. be great to learn a bit more about that and that background and how that moved you into your your next uh, opportunity. Well, like I was saying, I was trying to um, probably a little bit too, a little bit too quickly, but I was trying to explain how it all worked together. I mean, it it it, it was a period of I was like 21, 22, and okay. you know, I I didn't really know what I was going to do. I was, you know, I'd, I'd done this thing. I was considering further study, and a, an opportunity came up to kind of use the skill that I'd made. No, I'd, I'd gathered to in, in building this website in my in my family business and putting a, an e-commerce store from on on top of that. Um, but as I say at the time, the, the there was a channel conflict. So the physical retailers and the, the family company dealt with people like B and Q and Argos at the time, but they didn't want to um, associate with a company that was selling direct online. So okay. we, you know, it was just an opportunity for me to you take my skills. Um, and sell, you know, as a separate entity in a separate company, through the re- this this e-commerce retail channel. Um, Got it. Okay. And that's what that's basically what happened. And I didn't really, I had, we had no kind of expectations of how far it would go or what would happen. Um, and you know, it took off a lot a lot quicker than than anyone expected because um, people were, you know, back in back in those days, they were saying to me that people wouldn't buy a product like like this online they wouldn't buy products that retail for you know a thousand pounds two thousand pounds online that all they do is you know purchase small cheap um, things low 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 price things so you know we came along and we proved them we proved them wrong wow okay so you're one of the first companies is that right charles to start to start selling these higher value outdoor garden kind of buildings and outdoor living products yes yeah we we, we were yeah okay and we what were, kind we, of we, what kind of price point were we talking about, Charles? Because you said it was quite a difference to what was going on already. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, well, that's that's one of the other things that we saw very early on um, compared to the, the standard product that was sold in the market through yeah. being being Q. The, the ticket price online was much higher, you know, because what you what what it allowed is is the full inventory, the full product portfolio to be sold, um, you know, on the internet versus when you went to a traditional retail channel this twenty odd years ago, they'd only choose a selection of the products. So family's business, they would have uh, had, I don't know, 100, 200 products in their product portfolio. Um, but certain retailers would choose a certain selection and other set of retailers would choose another selection. Um, yeah. And what, what this allowed is, you know, the entire product portfolio to be sold, which then elevated all of the price points. So, you know, right, right from the early days, there was, there was, it was seen that there was, um, you know, potential and avenue, you know, an avenue of growth and, and a totally different market dynamic. But at the time, the market was still very small. So I was fa always faced with this constant, you know, battle. Do I, you know, continue doing this as a kind of a hobby? Do I, do I stick with it or do I go and do something else? Um, and I think, you know, and, and that, that, that state, that state probably lasted about, you know, two years really. And I think it was PPC that, that, that propelled it. Uh, okay, if you, so if Google you, Ads if you, and pay-per-click and stuff. Google Ads, yeah. Okay. Because if you, if you track back to 20 years ago, PPC was, was not advanced at all. It was, um, you know, it, I, don't, I don't even think there was PPC in the UK. You used, you used to be able to pay to insert yourself in the organic search results. But I don't think you're gonna, you could, but certainly it was, it was nothing like it is now. And it was PPC, the advent of Google AdWords, that literally uh, propelled the business forward and it allowed us to operate on a playing field that was level with you know being q and argos you know at the time um and you know we grew we grew rapidly through through paid ads oh great okay so paid ads was a massive and, stepping stone they were and, and also paid ads was a lot cheaper then you know and um what were we talking incredible. about per click back then, Charles? Because obviously the, the rates now can be anywhere from a few quid to 50, 100 pound, even you're, you're, crazy you're, money. 10, 10 to 20p, you know, you're, you're sure. talking a third to, to half the price that they are now. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, back in 2000, Charles, you set this up as a hobby, as you mentioned. Um, just your PC, your phone, and um, you're, you're going around. How did you. How did you build the business? Was it just you, Charles? Was it just yourself it was, at the time? Did you have a small team, or how was it? Was, the it was it, initially it was it was me. Um, as, as I as I say, I was operating um, you know through a web you know through a website and a phone. That, that literally was in. We were having one to two orders a day. Okay, um, and then I started to bring in um, members of my family to answer the phone because it's quite straightforward to, to do that. Yeah. So they would help. They would help out. Uh, and then we moved into a to an office, and I started hiring more, oh, okay. and more and more people. Um, and yeah, it, it literally grew. It grew like that. It, it, it has always been relatively self-funding from the initial outlay for the for the website, which was you know myself and a, and a, and a bit of time. Um, and it's just grown like that, grown relatively organically. So and I've, and I've, I've had a lot of help from friends and family. I, you know, certainly at the start, like the the office that I had um, you know, it was above my parents garage so they gave that to me for free uh, yeah. and I think they they, they bought me a, a PC as well so you know I was 
I wasn't entirely self-bootstrapped, but they, they, sure. they helped me. You know, no, literally. that's it. And I think we all get a bit of help from our family and, and friends. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Excellent. Okay. So what was the turning point, um, Charles? Because we went going back, you said pay-per-click was kind of the part that helped skyrocket and take the business to the next stepping stone. But what yeah. was the stage at which you knew that you could take this from just being a hobby to being a, a serious business that you could grow? And how many years in was this? Um, I think I think this was... You see, this is this is another interesting. The, the, we've just had our 20th anniversary, and um, we had quite bad flooding uh, where I live. Oh. We live near the we live near the river, okay. and um, yeah, it reminded me of what happened 20 years ago. So, in around about November 20, 2000, there was bad flooding, and because of that flooding, I had to move my my desk and my PC from my parents' garage because it was flooded to um another office and that and that was the start of the turning point because it made me realize actually i can't kind of operate like this anymore with a dog you know yapping downstairs and you know <laughs> and i have to move out i have to kind of grow and um and it was and, and it was that so that would have been around you know nine months to a year in where i where i started to really you know create some momentum Got it. move into uh, bespoke office and take on you know, a full team of staff you know, in finance, uh, call center, someone also to, to manage the dev as well of the, of the website. Yeah. So okay. That, so that, 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 I think that was the, that was the turning point when it flooded in 2000. Yeah. <laughs> and I was forced, and I was forced out computer of went my down. parents' garage. Yeah. And the computer and the, and, and the internet went down. Absolutely. It was, it was dial up in those days. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can remember those times. Slow, slow old times on the internet, that was. Okay, so it took a little bit of a disaster to, to help you kind of kick things forward, really. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I think that's I, the best way, best way of putting it, actually. Yeah, yeah really. I've, I've had many similar experiences in my life, actually, where, where it kind of took a massive issue to give me a kick up the backside, as we say. Okay, excellent. So the business started taking off, paid ads started going well. That was a couple of years or so in you were saying, Charles. So you, you took on a few staff to help you out with various bits and pieces and finance and managing the call center. Um, and then what happened next? How did the how did business progress over the last next few years? Well, we, we're still back in the kind of still back in like 2005. So in 2005, yeah. my uh, my family sold their business. So they sold um, that to a, to a VC, and I, and I and I was part of that, and I helped them. Um, sell through the VC, so I did all the PE stuff, the beauty parades, and you know all of that kind of stuff, and um, and, and that was a, a big moment in my life because the family business had been in the family for well since eighteen seventy eight, so one hundred and twenty years, and I always felt that I would, you know, I'd been kind of groomed to be you know running that business, so part of my business was grooming me to be able to, you know, move into my family business and run that. And my dad and my uncle decided to um, sell the business at that point in time. Now, what what that left me with was a was a problem because I um, the, the the VC didn't want to buy my part of the business. They didn't really understand e-commerce because they felt they were buying a manufacturing business. So it left me with um, my business and its large, one of its largest suppliers being the company that my family had just sold. So I was then dealing with the next two or three years, dealing with a VC. And that was a, a pretty tricky period of, of time because they wanted to sell direct to, um, which I understandably they wanted to sell direct to 
the general public. And we wanted um, yeah, to be able to probably source through more suppliers than, than, than we did. And, and that generated you know, some friction uh, over time. So I, we had a couple of years of, of a lot of turmoil here in terms of our supply chain yeah, and, okay. uh, uh, and stuff. And, you know, and in terms of what, I, what, I, what you learn from that is that you can't take things for granted. And, and it's, you, know, it, it, you never really know, you never really know your suppliers, you never really know your business partners really until they um, you know, have an opportunity that they, they, they foresee or see as greater than the opportunity that you offer them because that means they can go in a, in a particular direction. Yeah, and that takes us on to a good question, really, Charles. I mean, in terms of um, all, all businesses need to have suppliers that they need to be able to trust and work with generally for long periods of time that they can rely on to, to help them out day in, day out. So have you got any tips for, for businesses on how to pick the right suppliers and how to maintain relationships with them? Um, I think you need to pay them quickly. That's the most well, important that's... thing. You know, and, um, and, I, and I think so, so, so often you, you, you can build a, a really good relationship by just being reliable payers. Um, and, and, and the second thing is human relationships, you know, making sure you, you, you know your suppliers, you know them by, by name, and you communicate with them quickly. Because, you know, speed of response does, is a great tell for competence and skill. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that they're probably my two single biggest tips is, you know, communicate, you know, really good relationships, uh, reply to them swiftly and pay them on time. Makes um, sense. And there's nothing worse so, than having to chase payments day in day out. So, I, so I agree with that. Okay, great. absolutely, good stuff. Yeah, and that builds and it builds trust because if you, you know, if you if you pay rapidly, if you if you keep on top of your, your invoicing, if you don't, if you if you, but I, I would also say one one thing that is important is to challenge your supplier on uh, if there is an error because you know, if there's an error in billing or if there's an error in some of the charging, you know, it does build build respect to say actually no, I have checked your invoice and. You know there is an error on this particular thing, and it, that that in itself does build respect as well. Got it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't, and I also don't think there's a, there's a, a single rule anyway for for a lot of this stuff. I think you 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 have to play each supplier on a case by case basis because you're dealing with human beings after all. Got it. Okay, so we we talked about a few issues you just had um, in terms of your parents' company, also your own, Charles. So, what what was the what was the next step in terms of the, the business growth for you? Well, the next step, is, uh, I think we can track forward a few years. Um, sure, sure. And we and we we went through a number of iterations. So we decided to move away from pure play e-commerce, and we and we wanted to build our own products uh, and our own manufacturing because we felt taking other people's products and putting uh, de-labeling them or, or selling other people's products was basically going to cost uh, us margin. There was no way of creating value in the value chain. So, you know, we, 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 we built our own manufacturing plant. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and, you know, we built that from the ground, the ground up here. Um, and we designed all the products in-house using CAD and all that kind of stuff. We have a, full manufacturing team uh, on site you know and in it, and that in itself gives us uniqueness and, and a unique position in the market because we're not taking other people's products and, and and selling them through we're taking our own products that we've product research and taking those to market 
Okay. We, we identified that, that quite early. And you, you see this as a trend more and more now in, in, in e-commerce where uh, you know, people kind of put a label on a, uh, on, on a product that they had some kind of design in. But we were doing this you know, 10 years ago and not only put, putting a label on a, you know, like a, a, an imported product, we're putting a label on a product that we make ourselves. So we've touched this stuff. Excellent. So you decided, you decided, Charles, to take everything internal and so everything you yes. manufactured yourself for your own factories or your own staff. Um, was that a high-risk move? And is that something you recommend to any e-commerce rate retailer or any? Well, well, probably not, no. Um, it's a very high-risk move because we made the move at the same time as the recession in 2008, nine. Oh, right, okay. Um, so as we needed maximum funding, the funding wasn't there. Um, so we had to do everything again in a ad hoc, low, very low cost manner, um, and we probably would have done it differently had the the economics of the of the world been different at the time. Um, so yeah, time, you know, tracking back to to when we started this process, one, I expected it to take less time than it than it did. So I expected it to take, you know. Uh, a couple of years to set up a decent manufacturing plan. It took two to three times as long as that. And two, I expected there to be more you know, funding available, uh, whether it's bank funding or any kind of funding or yeah. anything available. And uh, it, right at the start, it, um, it was taken away uh, because that's what happened in 2008. We had, uh, we had a facility, a credit facility, and literally the day it went for renewal with the bank manager. It was the day that Lehman Brothers went bust. So oh our, okay. our, our bank decided to uh, not answer any calls or do anything at the time. Uh, and it was quite a tricky period in the business's uh, history. Um, so we had to, not only had to, we had to invest in this manufacturing facility, we also had to totally reshape and reform the business at the same time to, to ensure that it survived this, this financial crash. And if you track back 10 to 12 years ago to, to the, you know, the, the recession it was an incredible time it was an unprecedented time where you had no you there was there was there was no grasp of what was going to happen um, so that was probably the hairiest trickiest time and in that time we you know we, we did make we did make redundancies and, and that was hard we did we did we did lose some you know some good people I bet. Um, Sounds very, very, very tricky in terms of, yeah, in terms of both the recession, having to let staff go and, and so on. So how were you able to overcome that stage, Charles? And how were you able to source the funding to keep the business kind of going and booming? Well, there was, there was some, you know, some, luckily my, you know, my, my family helped a little bit uh, in terms of some other funding. And another thing, other parts of the funding was working through the supply chain, uh, getting some assistance from the suppliers, um, and just managing, you know, managing the costs and managing the cost base. Um, that was that was basically a, it was a very s simple strategy that, that that fortunately worked. A lot of people said, you know, have said to me since that they didn't think we'd be able to make it through, uh, but you know, luckily, unfortunately, we did. Uh, but we had to make some tough decisions to do that. And I've and I've been saying recently to quite a few people, there's there's echoes of 2008 right now. So, you know, like private equity is booming. Private equity is, you know, is, is an incredible shape. And if you talk to the private equity guy, private equity guys, or the, the M&A guys, they say the, you know, the market's very similar to how it was in 2008. You know, there's a lot of money around. 
there's a lot of deals around and you you, you do wonder 12 years on how close the next recession is um, and that's something that you know I'm very conscious of at the moment um, and, and in this in the business in this iteration of the business that we have now um, you know I've made sure you know the funding's there good cash flow our cash conversion cycle's good um, you know and our cost base is, is low and I think that's been one of the the 2008 experience has been one of the was was the defining experience of my kind of like business time, yeah. Because it's it, it's it makes you very very prudent um, and and also very aware of your responsibilities too, uh, especially when you, you you have to make these really tough decisions and choices. Um, you know what, what, yeah, what parts it. of the business to save, what what staff, what you know what staff go or how many staff go. You know it's tough tough times. I can imagine. Okay. So Charles, from there, you've, you've moved up. You're, at, you're now serving in three different countries, I believe, and you've got a staff team of around 200. Is that right? That's right. Well, our, our demand is in the UK. So okay. let's make that clear. And we, we decided um, around about 2014, 15, that our, pre, our facilities would grow and our, pre, and our facilities weren't good enough. So we decided to close those facilities and purchase a, a new facility here in a, in a town um, about 10 or 15 miles away from where we, we were um, so in closing those facilities we, we had a you know some some uh, how do I, how do I explain this? we had some kind of challenges in terms of moving um, personnel around and, yeah. and things so we decided to um, basically create a, a an offshore facility um, all right okay so we, so we have an office in the the philippines uh, who do some of our you know, website they do some of our call center work got it and some of the basic admin stuff so that's one of the, the two countries and the other country is uh, is in, in vietnam where we do some of the devs so we have a small web uh, oh, dev okay. team it cool. yeah. one of the other things about the, the business is that we've always done our it and web dev in-house so we use very few proprietary, very few off-the-shelf tools. Most of our websites, our backend, our um, CRM systems all being built in-house. Again, it's all came back from the background that I had in 2000 where you, you made your own website then. So since then, I've always kind of, you know, done everything, felt, felt like it was just quite interesting to do everything, do everything yeah. yourself. No, fair enough, especially if you've got the, the experience in it and you've got the experience in designing and building websites your side. So that makes sense. So how, what would you say has been the main driving factor, Charles, to bringing the business where it is in, in the present day and having around 200 different staff? What would you say were some of the, the tips that you could give to anyone watching or listening to be able to, to build a business to that kind of size? Well, so, uh, so if you... I think one of the, one of the things that, you know, do, we have to be been doing some reflections on all this stuff and one of the things that you you you, you forget is that there's so many ups and downs and i hopefully you that through the through the chat we've just had i've explained you know, yeah years, we've, been we've a had lot. a lot of kind of bad things and a lot of good things too yeah so a lot of there's been a lot of ups and downs and you know where where we are now and you know wh wh where we're where we're going is a culmination of a lot of mistakes that that, that the business has made and and and, and, and we, we've We've learned from, and you know, and it's and it's really hard to give like a specific set of tips out. You you you, everything's a case by case situation. Like, you know, for for instance, 
some things some things you also can only really learn through experience like people say to you hire carefully or hire hire very slowly and hire very you know methodically and i can say that absolutely you should but people said that to me before i hired very quickly and made some mistakes and hired on a whim because you have to kind of go through these experiences yourself you kind of have to make these you have to kind of make these screw ups yourself because they 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 then contribute to your life learning and I say, say to my, my wife, sometimes, you go home, you know, you take your shirt off and then you look in the mirror and you see all these kind of like marks on your back and you think, yeah, that's, that's kind of business. I mean, you, you, you have challenges all the time. And, you know, one of the key things, and I would call myself a bit of a stoic, is just to go through it and, and realize it's just a game and, and, in, and enjoy the game as best as you can. You know, wherever you end up, wherever it goes, it is it's just a game and it, and it is fun it should be fun and the mistakes are part of the fun no i'd say that's great advice as well there's there's no secret formula you've got to experience yourself you've got to work through it you've got to learn what works and what doesn't work through your own experience and the mistakes that you make to, well, you, you, to progress. you must have had you must have had something similar though in your in your business has it been plain sailing for you oh not at all in in what we do certainly not i mean there's been plenty of ups and downs we've had to learn from a number of things like we touched on earlier so getting the right suppliers obviously we do a lot of our development our web development our search engine optimization our digital marketing house but we have approved partners so we've learned the hard way through various countries that have let us down various team members that have let us down projects gone absolutely belly up and then kind of learning from that learning what works what doesn't work so yeah exactly right you learn learn along the way and that you have to do a bit of trial and error otherwise you'll never progress really yeah absolutely i think there's you know there's so many traps out there but you know and the traps are kind of bespoke to to each each and every one of us it does depend on the journey that you're on and also you know does everyone does everyone want to grow a business as well? Does everyone actually, that people say they do, but do they really? Do, do people really want to put in the commitments and the time? Because when push comes to shove, it is a big commitment. And, it, you know, going through the, the time, going through these last 20 years, you know, there isn't that, there is work-life balance, but it's, you can't really define work-life balance in, in, in a sense, because you're always on, you're never really off. You know, if you're the, if you're the person, if it's you, you never really can turn off. And I, you know, I've noticed that you, for instance, you know, you're always uh, on LinkedIn at the weekend. So you're obviously incredibly committed to your work and your craft. But that's it's it. Not it's not for di- everyone. It's difficult, it's isn't it? Di- in, and uh, I, I don't even own this business. I'm the main sales guy. But the uh, if if you want to progress, you've got to put the time in, and that's something that's kind of come across for all the guests that I've had from various different countries on this show so far. Charles is you've got to put in the activity, especially if you want if you want to see growth yourself, you've got to be at the forefront and you've got to put the work in. Everyone so, wants the dream. Everybody wants the dream, right? We all want the dream. Everybody wants the dream, but the dream isn't the re- there, there is a lot of work on, that goes underneath the dream, and. You know, it's not all plain sailing, and some of it's incredibly tough and incredibly hard. That's it. But okay. the dream, the, the dream is glorious. <laughs> the dream, the yachts, the supercars, all that kind of stuff that you sold on Instagram—it's all glorious. But the reality is a lot tougher than that. Yeah. So that we've we talked about some of the lows, Charles, and just before we kind of touch on um, the digital marketing strategies that you've used and enjoyed that helped you grow your business successfully. 
what are some of the best highs? Let's touch on that whilst you've mentioned it. Um, well, uh, we, we've had a lot of highs. We, we've, we've got a great team, an incredible team. Um, some, of the, some of the hiring that we've done has been uh, top notch. Um, we've, we've been, we, we've basically, in terms of our industry, we've done so much. We've um, made massive changes to how things are manufactured. We've, we've created a system where the e-commerce platform and the manufacturing facility work together really well. So if you customize one of the products on our website, it literally sends a works order into the factory. Um, and, and that's straight through to the, to the customer, to the, to the delivered end users. We've done some great stuff, amazing stuff in the, uh, the technology, so technology side, the apps we've, that we've developed, the website, the products that we've done, some, you know, some great stuff that, we, that we've done, incredible things that, you know, even a few years ago that, you know, I don't think we, I would have expected us to be able to do, but we've, we've done that. So there's some incredible technological gains that we've done in the business. Um, you know, we've also been, you know, market leader again, you know, number one in, in, in the sector that we're in. Uh, awesome. yeah, that was, that, that was pretty cool. You know, we've, we've been doing really well winning, winning some awards recently. So, so business, cool. business awards, entrepreneur awards, which, which are great. So yeah, some great well, things that have happened in the business. Excellent. Great well, wins. Um, yeah. Good stuff, Charles. Okay. So let's, um, let's get into the juicy part of digital marketing tips that have helped you. I know we've talked a little bit about paid ads, but, um, mm -hmm. let's, let's talk about some of the digital marketing channels that you've utilized that have got you results and some that you'd recommend to other businesses. Well, you, I believe a website's founded on SEO. Uh, okay. I believe that since day one, um, because that's how the business, you know, this business started. So a good website deserves a good SEO structure. Yep. And for um, anyone listening or watching, SEO basically stands for search engine optimization. And that's essentially the organic process of getting your website up to page one of Google in the non-paid listings. Very good summary. So you know, the, 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 the SEO piece, um, I think is the foundation of any good website. And it's, it's a constant investment as well. So people think is, is SEO some kind of one-off thing. It's like a, a PR campaign or a marketing campaign. No, it's not. It's, it's a monthly, it's a monthly day in, day out investment in, you know, whether it's link building, on-site optimization, um, you know, loads of other stuff, PR, digital PR, it is a constant investment. So, you know, to have a, a good retained agency there working with you that know you, we, we fortunately worked with somebody for must, must be 10 years now doing the, doing the SEO with us and had a long-standing relationship. Um, and it's quite a symbiotic relationship as well. They, um, you know, they, they, they know exactly what keywords we want to optimize for. And then they slowly or methodically work away at optimizing that. And, you know, because of the relationship we have, we have, yeah. you know, we, we, we do a peer top, number one for most of the keywords that we that we want to excellent and why is seo so good for you charles is it getting you good brand awareness is it getting you more traffic to your website is it getting you more sales is it a mix well because we're b2c we can measure the um, you know the conversion rate although the conversion rate of seo is probably a little bit less than paid you know um, it it still generates an incredible amount of revenue that's that's the reason Brilliant. why you invest in seo because it it generates revenue and in a B2B environment, it will generate leads. It's no doubt Excellent. whatsoever. Excellent. Bottom line. 
Okay, SEO, great. And we're big believers in SEO at Web Choice. It's actually how we get probably about 80 to 90% of our inbound. So that's excellent. Okay, anything else on top of SEO, Charles? Well, we, we, we flirt with, uh, with, we've touched on PPC, uh, sure. AdWords and Bing. Bing's often overlooked and you know, Bing, Bing, Bing can deliver some good results uh, because you know, Bing powers other things like Yahoo and DuckDuckGo and stuff like that. So you know, Bing's quite a good platform. Um, and we, we, we flirted with uh, Facebook and, and, and paid social. Um, okay. face, Facebook, face, Facebook's a bit of a, a tricky one in terms of where you are on the funnel because you're advertising to a different part of the funnel to, to Google. So the Google intent for a paid search, uh, you know, the e-commerce, the, the consumer intent for a, for a paid search user is much higher than it is for well, we found anyway than a, than a Facebook. Sure, um, possibly remark, possibly remarketing slightly different, but we we would say uh, you know, our focus remains on on paid search rather than, than paid uh, Facebook ads. So, so you know, we we we'd, we a lot a lot of people now have a higher budget in Facebook now than, than Google, but we'd say you know ours is still mainly Google. Okay, excellent. So a mix of SEO. As the kind of foundation, the long-term strategy, some yeah. paid ads on Google, and then some Facebook ads as well. Um, yeah. Do you guys do any email marketing or anything like that? Has, have you had any results from any other channels? Yeah, so we do some some of the standard uh, email marketing stuff. So we send out a newsletter every every couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we have a, a decent sized list uh, and you know, segmented by by intent stuff like that. Um, you know, which does quite well. And the, the great thing about email marketing is that those email names and, and, and addresses there, they, they, they're kind of yours. Um, so, you know, just in case of like an emergency, I mean, your email list is there for you and you can still send out a mail shop. It's, and, and, you know, from what we see, it has a you know, very high conversion factor as well. It's one of the highest great. conversion yeah. factors. Yeah, yeah, we've had a couple of guests on lately, Brandon Bonanton and Will um, Barron, founder of the Sales um, Salesman Podcast. They're big believers in building up your list, building up your email list. Um, as they say, it's one of the most powerful things you can have as a business, an active customer subscriber list um, that you can then market to as you wish and utilize that. Absolutely. What software do you, do you use? What software would you recommend? Do we recommend? Well, we use... In terms of email marketing, to, to be upfront, it's not something we do a great deal of in our business. So we, we tend to mainly focus on web development and then digital marketing channels like search and optimization, SEO and paid ad management um, and a little bit of social. So email's not necessarily something we do, we're massive on. I know there's the major channels like MailChimp, um, Campaign Monitor and things like that. Um, but it's also about the way that you harvest those emails, so the way you gain them. So whether that's from, of course, if a, in your case, Charles, you've got, you're working with B2C. So every time a customer uh, creates an order, most of the time, unless they check out as a guest, I guess that they're going to give you their data and then you, you've got their email. Well, they've got to opt in, of course. Yeah, they've got to opt in. So, um, yeah, but there is other ways that businesses can do it um, in terms of offering white papers or offering sign up to the newsletter or various bits and pieces that you can have to mm. download goodies and then essentially get their data when they opt in. Yeah. We, we, we found some limited success with likes of lead magnets and things like that. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, there's all sorts of things you can do to, 
you know, increase the, the amount of people who sign up to your, your newsletter. But you've also got to cleanse the cleanse your email database as well. I think that's really important. It's not just about the raw numbers. You, you need to, you know, you've got to make sure they're interested. And, and, and that's still, it. Keep it update. Keep it fresh. It's still Makes alive. Sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Makes sense. Cool. Okay. So that's, that's interesting to learn about the digital channels that work for you, Charles, and the ones you've had success with and are still using to, to harness and grow your business. Um, have you got any tips for anyone thinking of starting a business, Charles, or anyone who's recently started a business? Any golden nuggets of advice for them that can help them out? Well, I think the, the, first, the first thing to do is, again, this is... My advice may come across as a little bit uh, dour, and that's intentional because I think the first the first question you'd ask yourself is, do you actually want do you actually want this? Because a lot of people think they do, and then I'm not sure whether they really do. Um, and then if they do, if you do want this, then you've got to keep your costs low right at the start because you 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 don't know your your, your demand your uh, your income may be lumpy. It may not be reliable. What, what are you going to do on the down months? Got because it. that's when people—that's when people quit. That's when people, you know, say, "Well, this is this isn't for me. I just don't know. I don't know what to do. This is, too, this, this is costing me too much. I'm not going to do this anymore." So you've got to make sure you have that buffer, that margin. You know, we call it a margin of safety. So you need this margin of safety in the in, in your business all the time okay. that will that will keep you going through the down months. Because you will have them, and you you know you will think, oh my goodness, this isn't worth it. I'm going to quit. And you, you have to make sure you 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 mend the roof while the sun's shining, all the Makes time. Sense. So basically, you're saying, Charles, start small, start with very low overheads as low as you can. Um, keep a keep a kind of safety net there whilst you are growing. That's, Is that right? That's my experience. Again, okay. if if you're if you're um, you know, if, if, if you're going through the, a different route, uh, the VC route, you've, you've, you've done a funding round of seed funding. It's a different matter. Okay. So I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about small scale people who are starting a business almost on themselves, just to, not by themselves, just because they have this entrepreneurial uh, seizure and they think, well, I need to, I need to scratch this itch. I need, this is something I need to do because often they won't have the same, level, they won't have access to the same level of funding or the, or the resources that, that, yeah, that's some of the you know, yeah, you kind of people would have. That's it, and you've got to make sure it's really, really something you're 100 percent want to do if you can invest that yeah, time and, 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 and stick it. I think we we've had a discussion on LinkedIn about this and about the the, the need to um, commit yourself. You know, you have to stick at this day in, day in, day out. They, they say it takes like 50, 56 days or something to to to, to make a new habit. So, you know, when you've got a business, you, you got, you've got to be in there for, for months, you know, grinding it out, turning up, you know, nobody may, nobody may, t- may, nobody may come into your shop that day or whatever. Nobody, nobody, nobody may email you that day. And that can happen for the first few months. Nothing may actually happen. Yep. And those <laughs> are some, some nice habits that you've got to follow. You've got to, got to keep at it. It's, it's not necessarily. And, and people, exactly. People don't really prepare you for the, and also people don't prepare you for the loneliness of it all as well. Being, being, there's the single person, the, the entrepreneur, when it's, when it's you, it's, it is an incredibly lonely place to be. Because, you know, who, who else is there? It's just you. It's, the responsibility is purely with you. And, and it's not, it's a, it's a strange place. And, and I don't know if it is, I don't know how many people it's for, but it's certainly not for everybody. And I'm not sure if everybody wants it either. 
And that's something we've heard from a lot of entrepreneurs as well, Charles. A lot of people have said, are you really cut out for this? Have a, have a good hard think before and uh, make sure it is the right route for you because it's not going to be for everyone, is it? No. Would you, would you say your personality is different to some of your, you know, your friends and the people you know? Have you got oh, a different certainly. drive? So how would you say you're different? Then? What would I you, mean, what would your character- from, from my angle, Charles, this is one of the reasons I've actually started this, this podcast, really, to have my own thing, to slowly build it up. Um, get guests just like yourself on from all around the globe and have been there been in the forefront of working their own business from scratch up into a successful company learn both myself and the the audience listening and watching can learn and then try and build upon something from that whilst I'm building up the um, digital marketing company that I work for as well so it's it's getting hands-on experience in the field really so that's yeah. that's the plan so all right charles no so we've we've learned, learned a lot so far we've learned your story we've learned your digital marketing advice we've learned some various tips and tricks that you recommend to startups as well as smaller businesses um is there one thing charles that businesses should be doing with digital marketing that's going to help them it's a tricky one, one. thing as in yeah, it's a very tricky one. It's a very open-ended one. <laughs> thanks for thanks for that. Um, so yeah, could you lead, could you lead me a little bit more into? Yeah, this? sure. I mean, for example, you've said you've had massive success with SEO, and that's been the foundation of your website from the start. Um, yeah. So if you could say, look, if you're starting a business today, make sure you do this with digital marketing, and it's going to help you. I don't, I don't think it could be using LinkedIn. Fits- it could be send email. It could be the. <laughs> Is there, is there a one size fits all? Because <laughs> Probably not. it really depends whether you're B2B or B2C, depends how much budget you've got. Of course. Depends how much time you've got. Like, you know, the SEO, the SEO investment, that takes months. I mean, you know, to get an SEO presence in Google can take 12 months. Sure. To get a paid, to get an, a pe- some kind of paid presence in Google takes hours. I mean, it's, it's really hard to. So, really would you say, say, Charles, maybe do the research in where your target customer is? <laughs> understand exactly how you need to to reach out to them whether that is the whether they prefer to use facebook whether they prefer to use google understand where your customer is searching for whether they're a business whether they're a consumer and how they find your products or your services and then work from there correct one, one thing i have found though with people that i have spoken to recently who've started businesses what they where they've often started is with their immediate contacts first and that's always a good place to start um, so you start with the people that you know, and you know you 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 you, know, you, you build something from there. And social is a great place for that, especially LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a source of you know really decent engagement and some decent leads as well. Amazing. Leads one of the, one of the few places left that has organic reach as well, because Facebook and, and Instagram organic reach is, is in the floor now. Yeah, I mean, my listeners are going to get absolutely fed up with me banging on about LinkedIn every single episode, but the organic reach is there for the taking. Literally, you can go from nowhere to having a massive presence. You can get thousands and thousands of views for spending zero money, and you can literally create a account a day, put out pop content, and start getting leads, start getting serious brand awareness, brand positioning, building your personal brand, and yeah, just get on LinkedIn. If you're a business, get on it now. I spent some time coaching uh, somebody I know in, in, in LinkedIn. They've got, a, they've got a decent presence on Instagram and, and, and Facebook in their business. Uh, and I, I, was coaching, I was coaching him through how LinkedIn works. And I mean, the difference is that with LinkedIn, every single user there, for the most part, has a credential. You can check them out. They are, you know, every like is, a, is, a, is an actual somebody. But on Facebook and Instagram, you don't know whether that like is real or not. 
That's a good point. Yeah, there's a lot of fake stuff that goes on on Facebook and Insta, especially with kind of paid, you pay people to do, give you likes and subscriptions and so on. So that's a good... And that works And that works both ways. So that also means anyone who posts is also, mm. you know, is also relatively authentic, the most authentic on any, any social channel, I'd say. So anyone who posts is authentic, anyone who likes is authentic. And one of the, one of the hacks that, that I did with this particular person was showed him, right, what you, what you can do is go onto one of your competitor posts, check out who like those, uh, who like their posts, and straight away you've got a load of leads. And you can, in beauty, the beauty of LinkedIn is you can outreach straight away to those people and those companies. That's it. And, and off you go. Yep, you can uh, literally and connect think, and send a message to pretty much anyone. And, you know, within, within hours, they tried that technique and they got new business. And that was basically just kind of harvesting the you know, competitor, competitor posts. I've got high engagement, harvesting those leads. And then, hey, you know, check us out. This is what we do. And, you know, within hours, they, they, they got business. Nice. And that's a, a nice little strategy for anyone or a nice little LinkedIn secret for anyone listening in to, to give a go. Cool. All right, Charles. Excellent. So thanks. Thanks very much. It's been, it's been great to have you on today. So everyone, you've been listening to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how digital has helped them along the way, as long as they're along with their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your business. The show is sponsored by webchoiceuk.com, helping businesses grow with the results-driven digital marketing, conversion-focused websites, and mobile apps. Charles, before we go, I'd like to ask everyone um, if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, for having a positive influence on your career and your life so far. Who would that be and why? Uh, it would be my, my father, because he's taught me a lot about business, taught me a lot about the product that we do, uh, he's coached and helped me along the way. Um, every, almost every, for every single event, negative and positive event I've had, he's been there to help me and, and follow me along on the journey. Fantastic. Excellent stuff. And Charles, how can people connect with you? Tell us a quick snapshot of your business and the best way to get in touch with yourself. Well, for, for me, uh, you connect with me on, on LinkedIn. We've got a presence on LinkedIn. Carpetech's got a presence on, on LinkedIn, um, but also all the other social channels, you know, Instagram, um, Facebook, we've got, we've got presence on, on all of them. So you send me a direct message. I'm very happy to have a chat with anybody. Excellent. Charles, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.